Hello and welcome to The SciPod, the Formula One podcast for fans, by fans. My name is Will and I'm joined by my co-host, or shall I say my co-driver, Sam. Hi Sam, how are you doing? Good evening, Will. Good evening, listeners. Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Buzzing for a new season, buzzing for a new podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new season. I'm very looking. I'm really looking forward to this uh, podcast as well. I think it'll be a great way to sort of discuss and follow the season up ahead. Um, in this episode, we'll preview the upcoming season, um, but we'll also, you know, tell you a bit of, a bit about the podcast as well. Um, and with that, I'll ask you, Sam, the first question of tonight's episode: What can listeners expect from the podcast? Fun, fun. Hopefully, uh, I think Formula One is a sport that. Uh, uh, takes itself very seriously and although we will spend some time for sure talking about the events across a race weekend and how a race was won um, but, uh, but alongside those things we're going to really really look to focus in on some of the lighter aspects of Formula One uh, and hopefully bring some entertainment to our audience. Couldn't put it better myself and if you were to compare us to a, a driver duo which 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 driver duo would you put us to? to? Uh I'll, I'll, well, so I'll speak for myself. Uh, I'll go for I'll go for a Jensen Button or a Mika Hakkinen type character. I think they're two of uh, my absolute idols. And um, let's put it this way: it takes a lot to get them quite excited, but when they do get excited, you know about it. I'm one of those characters, so I'll be relatively calm, and it'll take it'll take a good race to get me going. Oh, very good. I like that. I'd say uh, I'd say with Jensen and Lewis, you know, two two world champions. Let's put it that, and uh, ones that everyone can root behind. That's that's the aim. I think that's the dream, and. Why, Sam, are you a Formula One fan? I think it's helpful for listeners to know a bit of background of why why you're such a Formula One fan. Yeah, so I mean, my I guess my dad, for the main the main part, I watched, used to watch Formula One quite a lot with him when I was a kid. Um, we used to go out and work on a Sunday morning and then get, make sure we were back in time to watch the Grand Prix each Sunday. And I've followed it ever since I was probably eight, nine years old. Uh, I'll be honest and say my interest dipped at various points and those dips usually coincided with a period of dominance of specific teams or drivers. So I obviously remember Michael Schumacher winning almost every weekend for a period of several years. And then again later with Sebastian Vettel and even Lewis Hamilton, who I'm a big fan of when he was dominating Formula One. Um, yeah, there were definite dip, dips in my interest, but certainly over the last four or five years, I've gotten really back into it. Drive to Survive is probably a factor for me as well, which I'm sure we'll cover in another episode. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the racing. Um, I'm really into the technical side of the sport as well. So the development, um, the last couple of years, I found myself reading uh, new rule sets and understanding aerodynamics and all kinds of things that I hadn't wow. really previously taken an interest in. So yeah, um, I'm loving it at the moment. That is that is Formula One fan level to to another level. Uh, the reason why I'm an F1 fan is similar, similar to you, really. Um, my, I remember my dad very vividly telling me in 2006 uh, that this young driver called Lewis Hamilton had just been signed by McLaren, a uh, British driver that was going to really, was been really impressive and he was going to come to the sport. And I remember, the, I remember it always being on when I was younger, like on the, on a Sunday, you know, I remember like the Monaco Grand Prix. But the, the first race I remember sitting and watching was the 2006 uh, Brazilian Grand Prix, which was Schumacher's last, which I think Fernando Alonso won, hmm. or Felipe Massa won, one of the two won. Um, and that was, you know, that was, amazing to watch uh i really got hooked then and then i remember following lewis quite closely in his first season you know with that amazing rookie season and then i remember you know being obsessed with it. i remember getting manuals about all the f1 cars I remember love playing the f1 uh games watching all the races um and at school i was sort of the only formula one fan or there's a couple of us and then uh similar at university there weren't many f1 fans around i remember having to join the motorsport go-karting uh, union or uh, society <laughs> to to get my fix a four one chat and then i turned up to london move into a flat in london my housemate is watching the uh the, the, the friday practice and i'm viewing the flat i was like well this is a good sign and then i turn up to work and then i think one lunchtime you and i start talking about f1 and then all of a sudden drive to survive comes out and uh, it changes everything. You know, there's, there's F1 fans everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, everyone is really into F1 now. Everyone knows all the characters in Formula 1. People follow it really closely. Um, so it's nice to not be the only Formula 1 fan. Um, and it's nice to see Formula 1 really on the rise. And let's hope it continues with with good racing for all the right reasons. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll share my views on Drive to Survive at a later date with uh, Season 5 recently out. And Sam... With the season starting this weekend, this is a Thursday evening. We're recording this with the barring practice starting tomorrow. How are you? How are you feeling about the upcoming season? Are you excited? I, I am. I'm. I'm excited at the start of every season. Um, 
we'll come on to testing shortly and uh, Red Bull looking a little bit ominous. Um, but I suppose the thing I hope for most uh, this season is a closer battle at the front. Uh, yeah. Last last season uh, was over pretty quickly. I think by the summer break, it became quite clear that Red Bull and Max Verstappen were going to dominate. And they obviously went on to win the, both the drivers and the constructors pretty comfortably. So I'm really hoping this year we get a, a more evenly matched uh, order at the front. And if we can get three teams battling at the front, I mean, it seems quite likely it's going to be Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes in the mix. Uh, never know, maybe even Aston Martin based yeah. on their preseason uh, form as well. I think if we can find if we can find a way to have sort of three teams battling out at the front of the grid, that'll be really exciting. I remember very well the battle between McLaren, Ferrari, and Red Bull way back when it was Alonso, Vettel, and Hamilton uh, all vying for a world championship. If we can get something like that again, uh, I'll be very excited. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also really intrigued to see what particularly Ferrari and Mercedes do to bridge the gap to Red Bull this season. The, the gap was quite significant last year. Um, it's been really interesting uh, winter and preseason testing to see how they've developed their cars and hopefully they can get a bit closer. And then the last thing, I suppose, is new rookies as well, which we didn't really have much of last year. So we've got Piastri in at McLaren and uh, Josh Sargent and uh, Nick DeVries racing in Formula One. Well, not for the first time he's done one race, but driving in his first full season. That's really exciting to see how they'll get on to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think it should be a really interesting season. I really like you hope that we do have an interesting battle at the front. You know, the, the start of last season when you had Leclerc and Verstappen sort of neck to neck exchanging wins in those first few races was was so interesting and sort of so, you know, that was exactly what the regulations had, had created, you know, to try and break up the Mercedes dominance and have teams fighting. And then sadly, it became a bit of a, a bit of a runaway for Verstappen and that kind of lost some of the appeal, really. And, and it wasn't just, you know, Verstappen was very good, but also um, Ferrari basically gifted them a lot of points as well which kind of ruined the season a bit as well whereas you know the previous season was uh Verstappen and Hamilton went toe-to-toe for the whole season um I'm really excited to see Williams I think Williams could be a bit of a surprise this season uh, I think they're such a historic and well-known team it's been quite hard to see them be at the back of the grid and sort of just you know maybe get a 10th place finish. I really hope they can sort of be established in the midfield and sort of surprise. I think with Albon, they've got the perfect driver to do that. And I really hope he flourishes and has a a really good second season with them as well. And then I'd say the third thing I'm really excited for this season is teammate drama. I think we're going to have so much of it this season. Just some of the pairings are just so good. You know, you look at um, Alonso and Stroll. Alonso is such a fiery character. I think he's going to absolutely walk it with, with Stroll. I think he's, going to show his frustration sometimes with Stroll as a teammate. You've got Gasly, uh, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon as teammates at Alpine. You know, they famously don't get on very well with each other. I think one of them cropped each other out of the announcement video when they were, you know, announcing <laughs> they were coming to Alpine in um on Instagram. So, you know, they've got a they've got historic beef and Ocon has got history of being a very sort of live wire and can be very sort of aggressive and argumentative on on track, you know, his clash with Sergio Perez when they were teammates at Force India. So I definitely think that you'll see fireworks between the two of them there as well. And then I think Max and Checo could be a very interesting partnership this year. We saw it in, I think it was Brazil when Max refused to let Checo overtake him. So then Checo couldn't get the second place in the world championship. I don't, I don't see that simmering away. I don't see that being resolved over the, over the winter period. I think that will be lingering in the background and, you know, I, probably it probably won't surface because I think Max will just you know absolutely dominate and probably uh won't give you won't have to really worry about the threat from Checo but yeah it will be very interesting to see if Checo Perez clashes with Max again and how and how the team uh deal with that as well and then finally I think uh Kevin Magnussen and Nicole Hulkenberg being teammates you know they've famously clashed uh on track several times and in you know press conferences uh after races previously it'd be very interesting to see how they get on as teammates i think firstly kevin magnuson seems like a completely different person to the driver that he was before he took a break from the sport he seems much more relaxed i think having a child has really sort of chilled him out um so i'm not i'm not expecting fireworks from there but just because they've got a, a, a history um it could be it could flare up if you know there's this detention or they, they clash on track which would be excellent viewing yeah, and added to that as well, I think there are, there are some, as you say, some really obvious pairings where I think we'll probably hope, well, I don't say hopefully, I hope we do, but uh, I think we probably will see some fireworks throughout the season. But I also think there are some other partnerships that generally get on quite well or could get mm. on quite well, but where one driver is definitely under pressure. So we'll talk a bit about Ferrari later and Sainz is probably in that category up against yep. Charles Leclerc. And similarly in uh, Alpha Tauri, I think 
Yuki Tsunoda is definitely under pressure this season and with Nick DeVries coming in as well I don't think the kind of, he's not going to have the same bromance with Nick as he did with um, Pierre Gasly so I do think there's potential for um, lots of kind of inter-team rivalry up and down the grid this, this season and that should be great. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, one one we didn't see last season, but probably people expected to see was probably Lewis versus George. I think because the car was so bad last season, you probably didn't see that. And the team probably put on a, a real effort to be collaborative. You know, I you, you could see fireworks potentially there if they're both going for wins and they're, you know, they're fighting each other for the World Championship. I, I'm not sure, not sure how well that could go. And now, Sam, my next question for you. If you were to walk into Labrooks tomorrow morning and put a bet on to win the World Championship, who would you be backing? Well, for money, it's got to be Red Bull and it's got to be Max Verstappen, sadly. Um, I really would love uh, another team to be up there. I, don't, I mean, I could sort, I can probably live with a Max Verstappen uh, third world championship as long as it's close. I really just don't want to see what happened last season. So hmm. that's what my head's telling me. My heart says maybe one of Charles Leclerc or Lewis Hamilton could go on and win the world title this year. I think there's definitely a lot of potential in both their cars. The question is whether or not they can catch up to Red Bull quick enough in the early part of the season to really come on strong second half. And my my general assessment is Mercedes are probably better equipped to do that than Ferrari. I think Ferrari will have a quicker car than Mercedes at the start of the year. Yeah. But but Mercedes have proven themselves over the last few years very capable of developing a car quite quickly and going from quite close to back yeah, quite quite far back from the leaders to putting themselves into contention uh sort of a third of the way through a season. So that's what I'm hoping for. But uh with all that being said, I still think Max and Red Bull will probably win the world championship this year. What do you think? So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I think I'm the same as you. My head is telling me that it'll be a max third world championship and he'll, you know, absolutely walk it like he did last season. I just think he'll be really happy with the car. The car looked good in testing, which we'll come on to. Um, he, you know, his driving was phenomenal last season. Uh, and that's probably, you know, I'm not a big Max Verstappen fan at all, but I did sort of respect that he did really deserve that world championship because he was faultless i saw something the other day saying of of the seven races he didn't win last season they were either due to technical faults of the car so the car breaking down or he had a disrupted qualifying at say singapore or monaco where he couldn't put the car higher up the grid or on pole and then those circuits were really hard for to overtake so he didn't win so it wasn't like he didn't he underperformed or he had a shocker it was either technical faults or really hard circuits to overtake and or disruption so you know he's he's coming in in very very good form lightning hot form my heart is saying you know it would be amazing to see mercedes win uh, a world championship again as particularly lewis i think it would be an amazing thing to see him win an eighth world championship and especially after the back last year if he could turn it around this year and win an eighth world championship i think that would be one of the most amazing stories and i you know we'll come on to predictions later I could could potentially I might predict it now if he was to win an eighth world championship I could see him walking away from the sport I think that would be job done for him um, but also I would you know I would like to see George win a world championship as well if it has to be uh, either of them I don't mind um, but they're both really strong and the comparison I'm like I'm going to bring to this is I think if you looked at the start of the Premier League season this year when City signed Haaland that's similar to Red Bull improving with their car with you know already in form. Everyone thought, you know, City are going to absolutely walk the title, and they're not. They're not walking the title. And Arsenal have appeared out of nowhere. Or, you know, had a strong season last season, and you know, now walk. You know, got a five point lead. I think in in the title. I'm hoping something similar can happen with Formula One this season. It's very unlikely because it's football and Formula One. They're not the same, and it's technical and it's completely different. But that's the comparison I'm hoping for. Everyone's sort of expecting a Verstappen runaway. I'm kind of hoping it's actually going to be someone someone could do a surprise, you know, could it be Ferrari? Can they fix all the, the mistakes they made last season? Um, or could it be Mercedes, you know, have a car that doesn't bounce around uh, and move and move up the grid? Uh, so that, that's what I'm hoping for as well. Well, I appreciate that comparison. You're talking to an already very nervous Arsenal fan. You're adding, <laughs> <laughs> adding, adding, adding some pressure there. Um, and I'll, I'll not make the cheap uh, comparison between the Red Bull cost cap breach and the alleged financial irregularities going on at Man City. Oh, very um, good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, so let's, should we talk a bit about Ferrari? What do you think about their prospects this season? Because they started off last year with the quickest car. We yep. all know some of the strategic and reliability challenges that they had last year. They appear to have put, put you know, gone some way to solving those. Do you think there's scope for them to really put together a good enough season that they could challenge Max and Red Bull this year? 
Yes, but they, they have to be the masters of their own destiny, I think. I think last year they made so many self-inflicted mistakes, uh, strategic-wise, which was just so poor from, you know, Ferrari. Ferrari is Formula 1, and it was quite amateur. It was quite rookie, I thought, some of the mistakes they made, the strategy calls, the you know, the, the blunders they made in several races. It wasn't just one or two races. It happened repeatedly. I mean, what is encouraging to see is Ferrari have replaced uh, Matteo Bonotto, uh, their team principal, with uh, Fred Vasseur, who has been a very impressive team principal at Alfa Romeo. Um, my only concern about Fred Vasseur coming in is that he came in in January. It is now the start of March. He's literally had two months in the job. He's had no role in the design of the car, the development of the car, um, but also, you know, can he change the culture and the structure to make sure they, 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 you know, they don't make the same strategic mistakes they did last season. He's obviously, there's been reports that he's made changes to the, those, those, the, the head of strategy, I think, is now based at, in Maranello. He's no longer in the team at the track. They've changed that as well. Um, but, you know, we, we need to see what they're like in those sort of situations, really. I think when you're going up against a team like Red Bull and Mercedes, they are both ruthless and they're so effective with their strategies. They do not mess around. They do not make mistakes. And they're always really on it. And, I, you know, if I was to give an award to one of them, it would be to Red Bull because Red Bull have got so many of the big calls right. You know, if there's something unexpected happen, you know, the Red Bull strategy team are amazing at, at calling the shots and getting it right. Um, whether that's to pit or change tyres or, you know, we only have to mention Abu Dhabi 2021, <laughs> that final race <laughs> where they pitted and Mercedes didn't, you know, that's a sign of a ruthless, really well run, really smart strategy team. And so I'd, I'd, I'd want to see Ferrari do something like that this season, you know, be really on it and, you know, catch out Red Bull or Mercedes. The car, the car last season was the quickest in testing and then, plateaued and i think by the end was probably the third quickest car which is pretty damning really of you know they, they've designed a brilliant car but they didn't develop it or they got caught out um but at least they didn't have the issues of last season as well and i think ferrari as well so you've got the strategy strategy things they've got to fix they've got the technical you know, development across the season they need to improve but also they need to keep their drivers happy and they need to keep the drivers focused and working together and they need to be tactical with their drivers as well. That was the thing that frustrated me about last season about Ferrari was Carlos Sainz was given, was treated as if he was going for the title when it was clear within two or three races that he was going, that he wasn't going to be in the title fight. And I remember at Silverstone, he disobeyed the, the team, won the race. And it, I think Charles Leclerc was absolutely furious because he lost valuable points in the title point, uh, the title fight at that point. So, they need to keep them fighting together. I think that will be a very difficult conversation to manage with Carlos to tell him you're number two if, if Charles is mounting a real title battle because I don't think Charles um, Carlos views himself as a number two driver. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating season for Ferrari. I mean, what what do you think? What, what are your views on Ferrari this season? I definitely think they have a chance. Um, I mean, the strategy, the strategy issues and some of the decisions they made in race last season absolutely contributed towards their sort of relative downfall throughout the season and i think a big difference as you say between ferrari and red bull and mercedes is that generally when you see a mistake made although as you say red bull didn't really make any mistakes last season at all when you see those other teams make a mistake it's very rare to see it repeated you see them sort of learn from those errors and and make sure they don't happen again whereas with ferrari it did happen repeatedly unfortunately for them last season but I do genuinely think the reliability of that engine was a massive factor for them last year. I mean, the first couple of races, they were by far the quickest car. And then they had to turn the engine down when they realized they had a reliability issue and yeah. we saw lots yeah. of fire, etc. Um, I really think that's a big factor for them. That is like the rumor in the, the paddock is that Ferrari do still have the, the, the most superior engine um, in the on the grid. Um, so yeah, I mean, finger, fingers crossed. The reliability issues have been solved. They've progressed the car a bit um and yeah as you say the sort of strategy team has been refreshed so let's hope they can be in the fight yeah i was going to say that's interesting because um alfa romeo who have their engine supplied by ferrari they had it turned up in testing to to sort of show off the pace and it had issues as well so they've obviously got to not be uh you know too lax they you know they can't sorry they they can't have the engine turn up to the max to try and compete with uh with with red bull but i did see that they had a you know Found, did they find like eight brake horsepower or something ridiculous over mm. over the winter period as well? So they've obviously been developing as well, as well. So moving on from the title fight and you know who we think will win, I'm now going to bring it on to something slightly bit different. 
what's your favorite livery? We've obviously seen all 10 cars and there's 11 liveries. That's, you know, I'm not making up a team there. That's the uh, <laughs> the Alpines two liveries, the pink and the blue ones, which I still think are a bit naff. Um, but yeah, what are your what are your favorite liveries? For some teams, one livery is not enough, Will. And, and for some, but, no liveries is enough. So, we'll... <laughs> But why don't, you know, so Alpine have gone pink for three races. There's 23 races. Why not do 10 and 12 or, you know, why not split it down the middle? Why, you know, why, why three races? But also, like, you know, they, they then have a very odd looking pink, black and blue car for the majority of the season. It just looks naff. It just looks rubbish. Whereas, you know, I'd rather just go all out pink or, you know, have a really good pink and blue livery for the full season rather than try and, you know, have one for, th- for three races. I mean, if I was BWT, the sponsor that says, you know, got to have a pink car. I'd be looking at the contracts trying to get, a, you know, 10 races or 11 races. I wouldn't, I'd be, wouldn't settle for three, but anyway, that's, that's. You're, you're applying, you're applying logic to, to a team that historically haven't applied much. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah, that's true. That's um, true. But yeah, I, what's, I, what's your favorite livery? So I'm, I'm actually quite partial to the, uh, the blue Alpine. I'm less. No, I think, oh, <laughs> I think you said the pink one then. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind the blue one with the Castrol uh, branding. I think it looks quite good. I think my, my favorite car, the best looking car is Mercedes, but there is a debate in my mind about whether that counts as a livery given it's 95% carbon fiber exposed. Um, but it does look really, really good. And if one yeah. team's going to get away with doing that, it probably is Mercedes. So I think that that is by far my favorite uh, livery. I'm a big fan of, the Williams, I think, as well. Like, it, I thought it looked quite good last year. They haven't changed it a huge amount this year. Still I'm, looks I'm, pretty good. Not wild. It looks a bit like it's come from the Formula One game. It doesn't look like it's that <laughs> innovative. I mean, the best thing about the Williams, and I encourage you, listener, if you're if you're watching the race on Sunday, uh, to look out for the Duracell battery above the the cooling pod, right above the driver's head. It's one of the best users of a sponsor in you'll see in an F1 car this season. That's that's the best bit of their of their livery, which is good, but it's a bit sad. But yeah, sorry, back to you. No, that's all right. Not at all. Um, no, I, I really like the battery on top as well. I think it looks really smart. Um, I think the Ferrari last year looked really good. And I think the Ferrari this year looks pretty good as well. Not not quite as not quite as impressive as it looked last season. But yeah, they, I think for me, it's the Mercedes. The Ferrari have definitely improved over the last couple of seasons because they've sacked their designer that decided to do bright green with red two or three seasons <laughs> ago. And they've now gone for quite stylish black. Uh, and it, you know, this season's livery is not very different to last season's. Uh, but I do like the Ferrari, the classic Ferrari logo on the rear wing. That is nice. So, uh, yeah, the Ferrari, the Ferrari is nice as well. Uh, and what you've used on the Red Bull? I think Red Bull have some of the laziest designers in Formula One. That's not Adrian Newey. I'm talking about the livery designers. I mean, um, it must be car- easy. It must be an easy job being in that graphic design team. You'd literally turn up, move three logos, and go, "Yeah, job done. We don't need to do anything else." And then I think I think they're doing a competition for a, a fan designed livery so you know you, you've outsourced your, your other livery design for the for, for a race this season so that will be uh yeah must, unless you just get to judge some some lovely sketches probably of some liveries well maybe we should produce a side pod special livery for red bull and send it in to send it in for their um assessment when that yeah. comes around yeah, um, i think it might just say justice for abu dhabi but I, yeah, that <laughs> that's another pod we'll do that another time <laughs> <laughs> not today um, not today no no I, I really think yeah the red bull livery i mean what's what's a bit disappointing and i'm by no means a designer but um i think they've got quite a good color palette available to them like they've got some very nice quite striking colors and there have been red bull cars historically that have been really you know nice to look at but as we've sort of commented on now they don't really change a huge amount i think this year literally the bull has moved about three inches down the body um and yeah, the rest of the livery is pretty much exactly the same as it was last year, just with a bit more carbon fiber, as some of the other teams have done to try and lose some weight. So yeah, um, the less said about Red Bull's general design efforts, the better. Um, maybe outsourcing it to the fans will mix things up a little bit. But um, yeah, in general, not not hugely impressed with their effort this year. But let's see what the car does. I'm sure it'll be extremely fast. Yeah, it's a shame really, because when they did the white Red Bull a few years ago, uh, I think they did it for one-off race. It was amazing. Everyone loved it. And everyone thought, oh, this is, you know, just changing, taking all the color and having a white Red Bull looked really cool. And it's a shame they don't mess around or play with the livery more because I think they could, like say, they could innovate it and change it. But also, you know, the sentimental in me is sort of, you know, if you, if you look through history, you'll look at photos of this year's car and last year's car and you go, well, they're the same, they're the same car. Whereas I like it, you can tell, a, I like it when you can look at cars and you can clearly tell which year that's from. So for example, the Mercedes W11 from 2020, I see that car and I always think of watching Formula One during COVID or, you know, I look at the silver and red 
Vodafone McLaren Mercedes car. That always reminds me of 2007, 2008, 2009, my first sort of get, getting to sport as well. You know, some of the most iconic liveries have tweaked or changed over time. You know, you look at McLaren Honda when they were the red and white Marlboro. You know, they weren't identical every season, but they're still still iconic as well. Hmm. I suppose. Have I suppose, you got a favourite? What's your view? Yeah. Uh, sure. So yeah, Mercedes. I think Mercedes is is the best looking one. I think the black is just so so nice. Um, and it's, I really liked the black when they did that last time. That was to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and sort of racial equality. And I re- I really I really rated that for a Formula One team to do something like that. They've obviously admitted that they've not done it again for the same reasons this time. It's purely a weight saving one. But it, you know the car just looks so good. I think you'll you'll be hard to miss any Formula One fan that um that doesn't like the look of that car. Yeah, Ferrari's up there. Um, McLaren is McLaren. I'm uh, actually no, the McLaren is not is not my favorite this year. I think they've kind of they've lost the touch of what it was. I think the orange and blue looked really nice. They've obviously scrapped the blue to save weight, and now it's just plastered. It's just, it's too many uh, logos. It's it's covered. Um, and I, I saw something say that saying the FIA have approved them to have this panel that changes, so they can change the sponsors during a race, which is. Yep. Which is cool, but uh, yeah, sadly they've just cluttered up, and I think they've lost the essence of why they went orange. It kind of just looks like there's less and less orange, there's less and less standout. It's now more black and with a bit of orange on the side. Um, yeah, I think the Hass is okay. It's you know better than it used to be. I really, I really, really like uh, the Alfa Romeo one, uh, and my theory with Alfa Romeo is that they've so they've they've signed a title sponsor, uh, Stake.com, who are a gambling betting site. Uh, and so their car now, instead of being red and white, is now red and black. And I think that's definitely a call from the sponsor, not because of weight savings, you know, red and black, the time with gambling. Um, I think that's I quite enjoyed that as well. Um, Alpha Tauri, they've messed, they've ruined that car with the red. That The red does not suit the <laughs> design of that car at all, which is a bit of a shame, really. Um, but yeah, I think it's, this, this, it, it's a shame. This is probably one of the most ugly looking livery fields because a lot of them are all either white or black or you know, there's not much colour to them because they're all trying to save weight, which I think is... I'd be intrigued to see if the FIA make any changes on that. I mean, it's a bit strange for them to make rules on what colour your livery can be, but it does kind of ruin it a little bit if they're all sort of converged around the same theme of, well, let's just have it a simple colour or as light as possible, which is, you know, when you think of some of the previous colours we've had in the past and how vibrant and diverse the field has been uh, to look at, I think it's going to be a bit frustrating this season to see so many sort of black or black and white cars and then you can have a bit of red, a bit of orange and a bit of blue. Another reason to hope the action's good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So after the break, we'll discuss this season's rookies. Hello and welcome back from the break. So Sam, before the break I said I'd ask you about rookies. What do you make of this season's rookies? We've got three. We've got Logan Sargent at Williams. We've got Oscar Piastri at McLaren and Nick DeFries, if you can really count him as a, as a, as a full rookie uh, at AlphaTauri. What, what are your views on, on them ahead of the season? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the one I'm, the one I'm most looking forward to seeing, uh, and this is probably one shared by most fans and probably quite a lot of the paddock as well, is Oscar Piastri. Yeah, um, yeah. He really has dominated pretty much every at every level he's been racing, and seeing him in a McLaren up against one of the uh, one of the best drivers on the grid, Lando Norris, will be a really interesting battle. Do you want to know something interesting I found about um, Oscar Piastri? So he is only twenty one, and at the age of twenty one, he has won F two, F three, and already taken a year out of motorsport. That's how talented he is. Yeah, high high so, hopes indeed for him. Yeah, um, and he looks he looks like quite a shrewd uh shrewd operator as well uh to carlos's smooth operator uh he's quite a shrewd operator yeah i think moving away uh and moving to mclaren um from from alpine last season is quite an it's quite an important step for him in his career and getting that drive uh and and backing himself up against someone like lando having particularly seen what lando sort of did against daniel ricardo last season that's not an, a particularly easy undertaking going there and being a real challenger to him so i think he's He's definitely uh, the one to watch this season, but I'm excited to see the other two as well. I think Nick DeVries really sort of acquitted himself well when he came into came into the race in was it Monza last season he drove? I think it yes, was. yeah, Monza, yeah. When Did Albon a really had good his job. Append- appendicitis. That's right, yeah, and he got he got ninth and he picked up some points for Williams, which was great. Um, so yeah, I'm quite excited to see how he gets on. As I, as I alluded to earlier, I think his his battle with Yuki Tsunoda is going to be really interesting. I think those two drivers have an awful lot to prove between them this season. Obviously, Nick DeVries coming to Formula 1 for his first full season, a bit older than the average uh, kind of 
new joiner to Formula One. And Yuki Tsunoda is now in his third year, so he can't really be classed as a rookie anymore. So that'll be really interesting. And then, yeah, Logan Sargent, I think he's he's got probably the toughest job, toughest toughest yeah. drive in Formula One. Yeah. He's up against Alex Albon, who did a really good job last year. Um, and in one of the slower cars as well, it's traditionally quite difficult to prove yourself and demonstrate your skills there. So, no, it should be really exciting. But, yeah, if I had to pick one, I think Piastri is probably the one I'll be watching most closely. Yeah, I think Piastri is... I think you say for for his reputation to come in and you know he could have stayed at Alpine and just taken on Alonso's thing, but actually to be headhunted and sort of brought in to replace Ricardo has made a lot of people sit up and really take a look at him and think, oh, you know, really intrigued to see how he gets on. I mean, we'll come on to it in a minute, um, but we're testing. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have the season he probably <laughs> thought he was going to have with with the McLaren car that's been produced. Um, but yeah, I think I think Piastri has got a lot of promise, and I think we really interesting to see how he goes up against Lando. And uh, yeah, I think Logan Sargent. Let's, the the main the main thing for Logan Sargent is not to be the new Latifi, to not make <laughs> silly mistakes, to not be uh, massively off the pace, and not to become a bit of a joke. And I, I do feel sorry for Latifi. Uh, he did become a bit of a laughing stock and a bit of a meme um, by the time he left Formula One. And I think it's hard at a team like Williams to not be seen like that if you're really off the pace, but also if you're just seen to be bringing money to keep the team running i think that's a really hard image to shake which latifi didn't so i hope for logan Sargent's sake he he performs well and has a, a strong season and if i was logan Sargent, i'd be looking going this the rookie season i want is the one like uh zhao alfa romeo last season i thought zhao came in uh and was really sort of impressive very under the radar and that, that's what you want to do you don't want to be making mistakes you just want to be doing a really respectable job i mean i mean i say zhao was under the radar he did have one of the most uh spectacular crashes in Formula 1 history which is seen a lot in the new Draft to Survive series which will come on in a future episode. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope in Piastri uh, and Sargent can, can do a good do a good job as well. And I also found out that Nick De Vries is actually 27 which is the same age as me so it's quite mad to think you know, <laughs> he's starting in Formula 1 now. You know, there's, is there still a chance for me? Could I, could I get to Formula 1 by 30? Probably not if it's taken him that long. We'll, but we'll, book some, we'll book some side podcasting days in and see if we can get you scouted. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I did karting at university, so uh, I'm sure there's some tips I could learn from that as well. And we've met, we've teased it throughout the episode. It's now time to come on to one of the main topics of conversation, testing. We had it last weekend for three days in Bahrain, just three days of testing, which is something we could we can discuss as well. What what did you make of it? What have you used? How much of it did you watch, Sam? Did you did you manage to catch much of it? I, I watched quite a bit of it, yeah. Um uh and helpfully because it's because it's on for most of the day you can you can dip in and dip out uh and it's always it's generally always on for those three days so no it was it was really interesting uh i do yeah three days uh is quite short uh certainly when you compare to sort of what they used to in the old days i remember and yeah i won't keep talking about mick hacken in every podcast um, <laughs> but i remember <laughs> i remember or maybe i will um I, he did an interview a couple of years ago and he was talking about the development of the mclaren in the in 98 season he said he said something mad that he did sort of weeks and weeks worth of testing like he literally sat in the car for weeks on end driving it around uh, until they got the setup absolutely perfect and obviously went on to win the world championship so good for them but not an option for the teams anymore three days is a tough ask uh, particularly with these new cars and new regulations and with some of the challenges a lot of the teams faced with the aerodynamics of them last year so it was a really interesting three days um, worryingly for our hopes for a competitive season the red bull looked imperious is probably the the right word to use um, would you say it was in a league of his own or or, was, or not yet yes oh, yes yeah. i think i think so well. if it's just the cornering speed really i mean i am no expert in this at all i'm not i've not got any racing uh expertise whatsoever but just watching the cars fly around the corners in bahrain and, and seeing how much quicker the red bull could could take some of those corners at the apex was quite frightening um and they obviously have an extremely kind of slippy car as well it's not very draggy at all um they've got a good engine very very good straight line speed which serves them really well with the overtakes that max was able to make throughout last season and as you say even when he was starting down the grid he was coming back and winning quite comfortably because it was so easy for them to overtake so unfortunately for the rest of the grid red bull do look in an extremely strong position um but that doesn't necessarily mean that other teams are out of it i've already alluded to ferrari they seem to have solved some of their problems from last year and that car did look quick, particularly kind of accelerating out of the corners. There'll be certain tracks that I'm pretty confident Ferrari will definitely be quicker than Red Bull at, but it will not be the majority of tracks based on what we've seen so far. And then Mercedes are kind of the wild card, really. Um, 
having seen them dominate Formula One for so long, it's very it was very unusual to see them struggle as much as they did last year. And you know, you and I spoke about this at length. Many of our voice notes were about the fact that the Mercedes was so slow, um, and it was really um, really unfortunate at the start of the season. You could tell Lewis and George were really struggling with the car, and Lewis even physically struggling at times to to manage that car. So they seem to have solved their porpoising problem. Um, and really made some gains on on last season. The hope I have for Mercedes is that they have historically demonstrated an ability to develop the car quickly. If you think about particularly even in 2021 where they won the constructors and we won't talk about Abu Dhabi, that is for another episode, um, but they probably should have won the Drivers' Championship that year and they did win the constructors. But that car was not the quickest car on the grid at the start of the season. They had to develop it quite quickly to catch up to Red Bull and I think Max won six of seven races or something during the European leg. So... They have demonstrated previously that they have been able to start on the back foot and come back. And indeed, last season, you know, they were the third quickest car. They started a long way back and they spent the first nine races experimenting with setup to try and get it to work and stop bouncing all over the place and still managed to get it to a point where it won a race in Brazil at the end of the year. So there's definitely potential there. Um, and if history tells us anything, it's not to rule out Mercedes. So fingers crossed. Across the kind of rest of testing, I suppose the big surprise package was Aston Martin. Yeah, um, yeah. An unknown quantity as well. I mean, t- testing as always, you know, there's there's an element of sandbagging going on as it's as it's termed, where teams will run with heavier fuel loads or they'll turn engines down to try and hide their true pace. There is an element of that, and it's potent. It's it's quite possible that Aston Martin decided to go for a bit of glory during testing and run their car a bit quicker than everybody else. But based on what we saw, it looked very very quick and potentially a challenge for Mercedes as well. And Fernando Alonso, despite uh, Despite the fact he's been in Formula One a very long time, is still extremely driven and extremely quick. So we'll be, it'd be really interesting to see what he's able to do in that car this season. Consume most of my testing sort of through what the Twitter feed was saying. I didn't get to watch much of it at all. I think the only bit of F1 coverage, testing coverage I saw was when Felipe Dravogic's car broke down within the first 15 minutes of testing. <laughs> I just watched, you know, shots of his car being towed. Um, but of what Twitter was saying, a lot of the F1 journalists out there and in Bahrain seem to think that that. Aston Martin is is really really quick and could even be the third quickest car on the grid as well. Um, yeah, I think it should be uh, really interesting to see how they go on, considering they weren't really at all any in the conversation at all anywhere, even in the midfield last last season. So if they've really jumped up to be the, the, the top of the midfield or even threatening the top three, I think uh, that will be fascinating to watch as well. We've talked about the top teams. What about the back of the grid? Who who are you concerned about? Who you who you think is in for a tough season? I mean. Initially, I think from what I've seen, it seems like McLaren have had a really, really bad start to the season. Mm. I saw Zach Brown, their their head of their team, sort of saying they missed their development targets in preseason, so the car isn't where they where they wanted it to be. How of what you saw of testing? How did how did McLaren look? Is it, is it as bad as Twitter was saying? Which is, I guess, it's not the best <laughs> the best form to go off. But I was I was going off a respectable Formula One journalist. So uh, yeah, I'm keen for your view of, of what what you thought of McLaren. Yeah, so, so for my money, the best thing to look out for during testing is drivers' reactions. I mean, you can look at how the cars are going and look at the lap times as much as you like, but drivers' reactions will tell you a lot about where a team is. Um, mm. And Verstappen was the car. Yeah, I think there was a journalist, wasn't there, who said something about him looking the calmest he's ever been or something. And that's pretty terrifying yeah. for the rest of the grid. And Lando, conversely, did not look very happy at all with the state of that McLaren. And given he's, his character, he's quite a happy-go-lucky type of person. For him to be quite visibly irked by how slow that car is, and it is slow, yeah. uh, was quite a, quite a sign, I think. I, th- I think we're talking about the same clip because I saw a video that McLaren put out on their Instagram. I think it was, it must have been on their Twitter as well, but it was literally the sort of testing sort of follow-up, like, you know, checking with the drivers post-testing. And he was saying all that, he was saying, oh, you know, we've had a really, you know, he was saying, you know, everything's great. You know, it's gone really well. We've done a lot. But his body language, it looked like, it looked like he'd just been told he'd lost the drive or something. It just, it looked, he looked so deflated. He looked so down. I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can hide that or, you know, if how he shows that frustration because he's he signed a long-term deal with McLaren mm. and that McLaren seems to be going down the grid rather than, than up the grid. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely gone backwards. Zach, Zach Brown's quotes were quite funny, actually. He, um, he's, it was something to the effect of, we've hit all of our development targets apart from the speed of the car. <laughs> <It's really laughs> One of the most important ones. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's only the most important part, probably, of the developing a Formula 1 car. But, wow. um, but yeah, well, no, they've least gone backwards, unfortunately. Yeah, and at least they'll be happy with that when they you know, taking the corners really well. And then the back of the field as well, and you know, moving on. What did you What did you learn? What was the sort of your big takeaway, or you know, what was your interesting thing you learned from from testing? 
so aside from all the stuff about the cars and the drivers, the most interesting thing I learned from testing was that Christmas clearly isn't for everybody. Um, oh, how so? How so? What, 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 why was Christmas being mentioned in testing? Yeah, well, you missed you missed this uh, particular interview, unfortunately. I'll, uh, it's worth a look if you can find it. I don't know if it's been YouTube and clipped or anything like that, but it was quite funny. Um, so Will Buxton of, of Netflix meme fame was doing an interview with Franz Tost, who's the team principal of AlphaTauri. And he was uh, talking to him about all kinds of things, obviously, because testing's happening. If there are no cars on track, there's very little for them to talk about. Mm. And uh, th- there was a rumor doing the rounds that Franz Tost worked on Christmas Eve last oh, right. last year. And Will Buxton decided to ask him about this. So he started quizzing him about what he was doing at Christmas and asked him why he was in the factory. And Franz Tost's reply was that not only did he work on Christmas Eve, that he worked Christmas Day, but the biggest revelation of the interview was that he doesn't believe in Christmas. He thinks it's only for children and people who are retired. Oh wow! <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's poor family. <laughs> I know. Well, and also thinking about the rest of the AlphaTauri team, I hope they didn't. They were sat at home, worryingly looking at their emails and waiting, waiting for a message from their boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's no Christmas holidays. They've all got to work throughout Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. That, that's good. Um, yeah, I think the thing I learned was uh, well, we shouldn't really joke about this, but um, Lance Stroll being able to crash. Well, crashing before he's even sat in an F1 car is <laughs> is is semi insane. Luckily, he's okay, so we you know we we don't wish ill on anyone. Um, but it was quite funny. It seems like he's broken his wrist, and it you know fair play to him. He's had surgery and he's going to be in the car this weekend, which is you know must have been pretty bad to have surgery. Mm. Um, and he apparently did a full run in the simulator. So um, yeah, I mean it'd be interesting. We, we've not really talked about Lance Stroll. We've met, we've referenced him a few times throughout the podcast, but. If I was him, I'd be looking across at Fernando Alonso going, oh, this is probably the worst teammate I've ever had because he's going to be rapid, really fired up, really vocal, and he's going to, he could embarrass me and I'm um, working for my dad. And I know, I, d- I don't know how I feel if someone came in and just humiliated me at my dad's workplace and I work for my dad as well. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough season for him. So, yeah, and hopefully his, his wrist is okay and he, and he can drive. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, also, Fernando Alonso has a famous naughty side to him as well. I don't think that's necessarily going to help Lance too much mm. either. He's not a good teammate. Of... He's not a good teammate. No. And he'll he'll make that known to the world if he's not happy with Lance or Lance does something that annoys him. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, sad to, that Lance broke his wrist and crashed, but it's good to see that he's, you know, able to race this weekend and hopefully he can, you know, if, if I was Lance Troll and I was going up against Fernando Alonso, this could be a really defining season for Lance Stroll and his reputation. Although, before we get on to actual predictions, I fully expect him to get crushed. <laughs> you're, 20, you're, you're, you're going to be 23-0? No, I don't think it'll be 23-0 because who knows Ooh. what can happen during a season. I mean, you get you do get some strange qualifying sessions. You get a it's not, un, it's not unheard of, though. It's not unheard of. George Russell did that with, with Latifi over, was it two, three seasons? He he yeah, twenty three. Well, twenty two nailed him like several times. It it could happen, but conditions and and the potential for madness during qualifying sessions makes that quite unlikely. But I do think Fernando will probably win eighteen plus. Well, let's 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 see that at the end of the season. Let's see what that. I'm going with twenty three nil. You're going with eighteen plus. <laughs> whatever. Would I mean that that does it, that does leave you with room to go up to twenty three nil? But yeah, you're saying it's you're, you're eighteen to twenty two is what you're saying. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll say Lance will out qualify Fernando three times over the okay. course of the season. Okay, twenty three. Yeah, okay, nice. That's easy to remember because when we get to the end of the season, I can say twenty three and you can say twenty three. <laughs> and now making more sort of realistic and serious uh, predictions, I'll ask you first what what they are, but also what are your what's your sort of a crazy prediction? What what mad thing could happen throughout the season? So my my mad prediction for the for the grid really is is Williams will not be last in the constructors come the end of the season. Ooh, that, that is interesting because Williams have been last the last two seasons now or one season because no, Haas, yeah. Haas were last two seasons ago, weren't they? Yeah, but um, Williams were so far back last season. They are very much the bookies favourites to be last again this year, but they've That's really, sad. yeah, it is a shame, um, but I think they've made a good decision in replacing Latifi with Sargent and it does look like that car has potentially made some progress so there's hope there but uh, generally I think there's still an expectation that will finish last but I as a kind of traditional team that's been around for a long time and I remember them challenging for titles in the 90s and it would be nice to see them a bit further up the up the grid so I'm going for them not to finish last this year. 
I like that because that ties into with my earlier sort of thing I'm I'm hoping for for the season. But also one other thing we should mention about Williams that's quite important. They've not only got a new driver, they also have a new team principal in James Vowles, yeah. who was the head of strategy at Mercedes, who's been a serial winner there. Yeah. Um. You know, hopefully he can inspire them and fix them as well. So uh, yeah, I I'd like that. I think I like I like how we've tied that together quite well with what with what I'm excited for with your prediction as well. And what's your what's your realistic prediction for the season? So I had to think about this one. Um, but I'm going for so I think there are three drivers that could win the World Drivers Championship this year and right. they each drive for three different teams so I think it's Max Verstappen Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton I don't see any other driver getting close to winning the title this year Yeah. Um, and for that reason I've gone for Lewis to beat George Russell Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez in the championship this year uh, see I think I think we disagree on this because I think George is good enough and quick enough and showed this last season to rival Lewis. And so I think there are four drivers and I think Mercedes have got the only team where both of them can win the world championship. I don't think Carlos can do it. I don't, I think he showed last season. He's just, he's not got the level to go up another level and compete at that. Um, and Checo is there just to have someone fill the seat. I don't see him as any threat at all to, to Max and, you know, he can't beat Max and he can't take wins off Max. Whereas I think, you know, you look at Lewis and George, they can both, challenge each other and both are as quick as possible so uh why why, why do you think why do you think lewis will will beat george so i i don't just think he'll beat george i think he'll be comfortably better than george this season wow wow yeah. that is that is bold so i do i do subscribe to the view that lewis did a lot of testing and stuff was set up at the start of last year certainly for the first half of the season but i think there was a period sort of towards the middle and end of the season where Lewis really demonstrated he had a couple of tenths on George every weekend and he was rivaling Max for for victories in Austin and things and you know I was very happy that George won his first race at in Interlagos in Brazil it was a brilliant Grand Prix but without damage I'm pretty confident Lewis would have overtaken him uh you know Max drove into him um corner one so I and I do think as well no not for the first time and probably not for the last I think I think we could see quite close battling again this year which would be great for the the spectacle so let's hope we see that but i do think there's um i think people have forgotten a little bit quite how good lewis is um particularly in and i've referenced sort of 2021 but also 2022 uh, mercedes did not have the quickest car in 2021 and he dragged them kicking and screaming yep. all the way up the grid and yes they made some great upgrades and, and caught up but he had to win three races in a row to get you know having even a chance of beating max in the last race of the season and did it yeah, that's a fair and Max is an unbelievably fast driver, and that was an unbelievably fast car. Everybody seems to forget um, quite how quick that Red Bull was. And as I mentioned earlier, it did dominate that season for quite some time. And even last year, the, the, the minute that Mercedes became even close to competitive, Lewis was very regularly finishing above one of the Ferraris and Red Bulls. And yes, I think Max and Charles Leclerc were probably the two quickest drivers last year. And rightly, they finished one and two. Um but I genuinely think Lewis is probably the only one who could beat the two of them this season based on that uh, pace he had last year. And I think certainly his age and all the rest of it has, cu- has sort of come into the discussion somewhat. But um, I, I don't see anything other than Prime Lewis Hamilton turning up this season. And if Prime Lewis Hamilton turns up and Mercedes get that car working, he will be a threat. And I guarantee Max and Red Bull will be much more worried about him than they are about anyone driving any other car. Yeah, I, th- I think that, I think that's... I think so. yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think you're making valid points. I just think you can't underestimate the speed of George. I think George is lightning, lightning quick, and he's not Valtteri Bottas. He is such a threat. You know, Mercedes now have two world-class drivers, two rapid drivers, whereas with Bottas, it was very much like he was the supporting man. I do think, you know, I do think we've seen a little bit, sometimes Russell has struggled in some of those big battles against, you know, Verstappen or Leclerc. I think he's sometimes been a bit naive or you know he's ended up being beaten beaten by them partly because they've got quick cars but also just in their racecraft as well whereas like you say Lewis has got many seasons under his belt and he's and I the thing the thing I really rate about Lewis is he's not a hothead he's very very calculated and he's very he's very much in control and yes there's been some few instances where they've clashed you know him and Verstappen have clashed but he knows exactly what he's doing whereas Verstappen is is a completely different style and approach and Leclerc as well is is, sim- is similar in sort of to Verstappen as well. I just think you can't discount Russell just because I think he. I don't. I, I just don't think he's the level that Bottas was at. I think he's much much higher. And I think he's quick, but I do agree that you know Lewis was a bit of a guinea pig for a lot of last season. Mm. And when and when he turned up, 
you know, with the, with a decent car, he was he was very much in the mix as well. And I I feel really sorry for Lewis to have the season he had last season and not win a race is pretty tough. Um, but I I thought he was pretty gracious about it and, and took it quite well. And that's my my concern is he'll either win an eighth this season and walk away, or he'll you know if that if that Mercedes is is struggling again, he said he's going to sign another deal. But you know if they get to you know, they get to halfway through the season and they're still not really challenging for podiums or they're not, not even close to being with wins. I, I wonder, is is he going to be like, well, do you know what? This project's not going to turn around quick enough. I don't really want to be here anymore. And not not say, you know, I think he's really, really fired up for the season, but I just don't think he'll want to sign himself up to be, to end his career like this. I think he'd rather leave on his terms rather than sort of see Mercedes fade away and be potentially the fourth quickest team, which, which I don't think we'll see. I think you're right. Mercedes are very good at turning around a bad car or a bad start and really clawing it back. Mm-hmm. So let's let's see as well. I think. What, what about you? What's your uh, what's your outrageous prediction for the season? Then? Ooh, my outrageous prediction. Then this is this is outrageous. I think Daniel Ricciardo will be back in Formula One and mm-hmm. will replace Sergio Perez. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. That is that is a bold prediction. I just think I can see a world in which the wheels come off figuratively for. Perez's Red Bull career, I see him clashing with Verstappen or being off the pace or not really being in the fight at all. And we've seen we've seen it before. Red Bull get itchy and they don't like it when their second driver is not competing and not supporting the main driver. We saw with Gasly was been pretty ruthlessly. Going back to Kvyat was been pretty ruthlessly. Uh, Albon was been pretty ruthlessly. Um, if Perez is nowhere near the front, you know. If I'm coming sixth, seventh, fifth, not really challenging for podiums and being a disruption, because that, that, that is, that is Perez's role is to disrupt Ferrari and Mercedes to take points for them. And if he's not in those conversations, you'll see Red Bull getting public. I think it was last season. He signed his contract. He won in Monaco, signed his contract extension, and then had a run of really bad races. And I think you saw someone, yeah. I can't remember, it wasn't Horner, it was someone else quite senior at um, Red Bull come out and say it's like Checo's gone on holiday because he since he signed his new deal. They're not afraid to openly criticise their driver in public if they're not performing. Um, and I, you know, I just think Danny Rick is has not just been signed just to smile and keep the sponsor happy. I think he's got a genuine chance of stepping in. And I think Danny Rick is in a very different place to where he was when he was at Red Bull last time. He couldn't really cope with being number two to Verstappen. I think now after the years he's had at McLaren. I think he'd he'd love a chance to be in a Red Bull, you know, be at near the front of the grid and just spend the rest of his career being there. Mm. Yeah, I think that was a famous Helmut Marco quote about Jeko. Oh, there. there we go. One of there one of go. the many he's come out with down the years. Um, so I, I suppose the big thing about Perez is will he be prepared to be the second choice kind of backup driver for for Max? Basically, his whole job is to support Max Verstappen. I think last year there were definitely signs that that role was eating away at him a bit um yeah. and certainly as we as you mentioned earlier in brazil where max refused to let him pass so he could finish second in the drivers championship felt like quite a big moment so if if it did happen do you think ricardo would be prepared to do that and do you think that's the reason or the potentially one of the reasons that checo could be could be removed do you think there's a prospect of it blowing up rather than necessarily his performance dipping yeah i think i think it could happen i think if you look at monaco last season perez um in qualifying puts the car on pole and then he said it was a mistake crashes the car in a really difficult part of the circuit to crash and do in and, and people watch the onboard footage they think it was deliberate but he basically ends the session stopping Verstappen getting from pole at quite a key part of the season and Verstappen holds on to that grudge until Brazil and says no I'm not letting you through because of what you did in Monaco and you know this something like that again for that to force them to do it depends it depends how much of a threat Checo is to Max at the start of the season or if he's just told to just do what he's you know, to move out of the way for Max all the time, I think he'll get frustrated as well. Does does Checo strike as a guy that will is happy just to be the support guy? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He yeah. Uh, to his credit, he has done that job very well. Um, certainly in 2021, I, I suppose the key for him really is the first three or four races because they're all tracks that really suit him. Sergio Perez, yeah. like he loves a street circuit. Saudi is a place that he's performed at really well historically. So. There's an opportunity there for him, I think, if he can start the season well and really stake a claim. I mean, the rumour in the paddock is that the, the Red Bull this season is 
it's sort of well suited to both drivers. Like they're they're quite different styles, but apparently the car is allegedly. You know, I'm I can, not, see, I'm not I can sure. see your face, I'm listeners. Not you sure. can, it's not an audio. Uh, it's not an audio feature. This one, but I can see Will's face as I'm talking about the Red Bull being a a better car for both drivers. We all. We, I'm we, shaking. I'm shaking my head dismissively. Cynicism. That's, that's how. Yeah. I, yeah, that's how I describe it. There's there is no way Red Bull have gone and taken a race winning world championship winning car that is designed for Max Stappen and gone. Let's make a slight tweak just to keep Checo happy. They'll keep refining it and changing it to suit Max. There's there's no way, and it's all it's all PR just to give off impression it's a fair team when it, when we all know it's not a fair team. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. Uh, so one, what what about uh, kind of other predictions? Have you got something uh, non, yeah, non, one, a non one, outrageous one? So I, I don't. I I think this is. I made this prediction after testing. Um, so this is with the caveat of what I what I consumed post testing. I think Fernando Alonso will win a race this season. That's my prediction. Mm. I think that's quite realistic. If that car is as quick as it's looked in testing, um, and with someone like Alonso at the front, he's been close since he's been back in the sport to getting another win. Um, you know, when you know, you think when Ocon won in, in Hungary, he was pretty close behind. Um, I just think he can be in the right place at the right time. A freak race, you know, strategy goes wrong, whether, you know, whatever. I think when the when the chips are up, I think he'll he could be in the right place at the right time and he could win a race. And I think that would you know, I'm not a big Fernando Alonso fan. I don't agree with the way he's behaved a lot of the time, but it would be quite a nice story to see him win. I did find out an interesting fact today. I think it's either Oscar Piastri or Lando Norris was born when Land, uh, when Fernando Alonso had his first season in Formula 1. Wow. That was a, that was a good fact. I'm sure he'd love, to, he'd love to hear that. <laughs> I, think, I think, well, I think that came out at the press conference saying it was him and like the rookies and Nico Hulkenberg. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, I think they had a good time as well. And so we've done our season predictions. You know, we're both optimistic. Uh, we've predicted who we think will win the championship. Uh, well, our head and our hearts predicting we'll win the championship. And we've also made some outrage predictions and some realistic predictions as well. My final prediction question of the podcast for you, Sam. Who is winning the race in Bahrain this weekend? Well, so, so speaking of winning the race at the weekend, uh, I've got a fun stat for you. Ooh, I like a fun stat. Um, so the winner of the first Grand Prix of every season since 2017 has gone on to finish runner-up in the World Drivers' Championship that season. Wow. So wow. yeah, Sebastian Vettel, 2017, 2018. Valtteri Bottas, 2019, 2020. Uh, Lewis 2021 and then obviously Charles Leclerc last season won the first race of the season and finished um, finished second in the World Drivers' Championship so fingers crossed whoever wins potentially um, we're going to see some <laughs> some swapping about uh, but I'm going to go for Max uh, and Red Bull to win win on Sunday um, is, that, have... is that because is that because you want them to not win the World Championship <laughs> or because you genuinely think they're going to win the they'll win the race showing my biases it's both um, <laughs> yes yes I think it would well yeah I just I just like to see some competitive change would be nice um, across the season um, but also they do seem to have by far the quickest car at the moment yeah and a I great driver I, yeah I think um, Bahrain is a good circuit there's lots of overtaking. But if you've got a quick car out the front, it only takes a technical fault. It, you know, last season Verstappen should have won the race, and it was only because of a mechanical fault yeah. that he did they didn't win. So it'll need it'll need something like that for them not to win. But I I, I think that car looks will probably be quite reliable. Uh, so I reluctantly also think that Verstappen will, will win as well. I don't think Perez is even being considered as a threat to win the world. Champ- uh, sorry, to win the race. So uh, yeah, I think it, I think it will be uh, a max win. Oh, how how, uh, how boring! We've both predicted the both the same winner for the race. But is that is let's let's hope let's hope that because we're expecting a Verstappen to sort of you know storm at this season, let's hope we get a lot of surprises and a lot of things that shake it up, so we don't have you know a predictable or you know the season decided within five races. Let's hope let's hope it's mm. uh, an interesting title fight, and let's let's hope we're surprised this weekend with someone left field let's let's hope for like a Carla signs or a fernando alonso win this weekend because that would that would ruffle a lot of feathers and that would really set the season off to a great sort of surprising start yeah absolutely and i think to some i mean this probably speaks to the, the quality of max but uh if anybody other than max wins the grand prix on sunday you know it's going to be an interesting one because as i said i think it's likely to be one of probably hamilton and charles and um they'll have to beat max to win the race and yeah, in any situation, that's going to be a tough ask. So we should hopefully, if it does happen that way, see some quite good good racing, which is what we all want. Yeah, it, it does feel like the headline has been written already that Max has won the race. So anything that is not that 
will be a real sort of shake up, and I think will really set the season alight. Um, and it will it will be interesting. We've not really touched this, and I'll I'll make this my final point. Um, if Red Bull storm the season again, it will be very interesting to see how Formula One and the FIA sort of look at next season, the season afterwards, because. You know, this is this is I've realized this is quite a big point to making at the end of the podcast, but <laughs> you know, does will F one settle for having another title period dominance by one team? I'm I think those days are gone and will they change the rules or mix things up again? I'm, i I it's probably quite likely, but that's that's a conversation for another day. So let's let's hope for an interesting race. Let's hope that it gives us lots to talk about in our next episode. Uh, and let's hope our predictions, you know, it'd be nice to be right in a prediction, but also let's hope there's some fun. Uh, along the way as well and so yeah that brings the end of our first ever episode so thank you very much for listening to the SciPod, uh the formula one podcast for fans by fans uh you can subscribe on all major pl- podcast uh platforms so make sure you do and please leave us a review we're, we're really open to hearing your feedback what did you like what you did not like um did you agree with our predictions feel free to to give us a review and you can find us on twitter as well at SciPod f1 we're also on instagram as well uh, where we'll be posting some fun content over the next couple of weeks as well we're hoping to record an episode every week and so you'll hear us next week with our post-race uh thoughts we obviously won't be doing as sam said at the start we won't be going through and giving you uh a, you know two-hour podcast in detail about every thing that happened we're going to pick out some interesting things that happened but also have some fun discussing what's hopefully fingers crossed uh, an interesting race and yeah make sure to tell all your friends about us uh we're really excited to sort of be starting this podcast and we really want to hear your views uh, and get a real range of f1 fans involved and hear your views as well so yeah make sure to share the pod subscribe and yeah see you next week for another episode of the side pod thanks very much good night bye bye